everyone. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous. Stove Leg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 119th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn coming to you from my man cave in Millsboro, Delaware. This week we have Jess Canaster, Director of Game Entertainment for the Harrisburg Senators, AA affiliate of the Washington Nationals. If you like this episode, make sure to go back and listen to all the older ones. Uh, there's something back there for everyone. Uh, so many great stories and so many quality people that work in minor league baseball back there. So uh, go ahead and check out those old episodes. Uh, let's get back in the game of shout-outs. Drop a rating and comment on any platform that you listen to this podcast on. Uh, that helps drive us up the charts a little bit, turns more people into listeners, and I will be more than happy to shout you out here and on uh, the Twitter account. Uh, speaking of that, make sure to go follow the designated Twitter account for the show at Pulling Tarp Pod. That's where you can find all up-to-date news about the Pulling Tart Podcast, and that's where people can reach out about becoming a guest. Uh, if there's any businesses looking for a, a very unique sponsorship opportunity, that's where they can reach out as well to become a sponsor. And uh, if you really want to, you can follow me on Twitter at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. Uh, go ahead and check out the merchandise, folks. Uh, you can now get Pulling Tart Podcast stickers, coffee mugs, and wall art. Uh, you can find that on the link tree uh, in the Pulling Tart Podcast Twitter account bio. Or you can go to tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com. With all of that being said, let's chat with Jess Canaster. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous. Jess, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your evening after a very long season. Um, how did the season go in Harrisburg this year? Uh, it was it was good. It was good to get back to uh, what is a full now a full season of Double A, which is sixty nine home games, one hundred thirty eight overall. Uh, and we played sixty at home last year. Uh, and anything is better than no baseball, which there was two years ago. Yeah. So, uh, you know, good, good to get back to it. Uh, the team is still kind of, uh, you know, work in progress. You can control everything in minor league baseball, but the weather and the team itself. Yep. Um, but we had a, we had a good year, uh, attendance wise. We were, we were up, we, we broke some records there, uh, here in Harrisburg. Okay. Um, we had, Believe three of our top ten crowds of all time. Nice. Uh, multiple, multiple seven thousand plus crowds. Uh, we had over, I think, 
78 or 79 for July 4th this past year. Okay. Uh, so we had a, we had a very good year, a lot of momentum going into 23. Uh, Team-wise, we should be a better team. The Nationals, having unloaded Juan Soto, uh, we will be seeing a lot of the fruits of that trade yeah. next year. We already have the number one prospect in the Nats organization, Robert Hassett III. Uh, but we should be seeing James Wood, who's another outfielder, um, hopefully next year. And uh, Arlene Susana, the 18-year-old who throws 103. We should All hopefully right. be seeing him either next year or the year after. Who are, uh, I believe they're currently in the playoffs with the Fred Nats. Okay, okay, very cool. Um, so I've never been to a Senators game before. Uh, but I've driven by the stadium, um, you know, coming, yeah, I'm, I'm originally from Pennsylvania. So, so yeah, I've definitely driven by it and I, I've seen it and it's, it's in a weird, you know, location. It's on an Island. So, um, the only other stadium that I know of that's on an Island is I think the Daytona Tortugas stadium. Um, they, so and they actually also play on City the City Island in Daytona. The, that's the name of the island in, in Harrisburg too. It's called City Island. Oh, okay. I did not so, know that. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, certainly, if you want to, if you want to get technical, there's Staten Island or anybody who would well, play yeah. on something bigger. But City Island is a it's a very small island. Uh, it's been the home of baseball in Harrisburg for a very long time. This this yeah. current Senators team. Uh, has been there since 1987. But okay. the stadium has been there for a while. It was uh, one of our claims to fame is that it was used in a lot of scenes, a lot of the spring training scenes in Major League Two. Oh, okay. Very cool. um, I think if you look closely, some of the ad boards depict uh, TV and radio stations in Harrisburg Yeah, that, that, are, that are still in existence. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a small little island. It's in the middle of the Susquehanna river, yep. which is a very defining, uh, and I've been, I've only been in Harrisburg for two years, only been in Pennsylvania for two years, uh, but it's a very defining characteristic of the area. Mm-hmm. And so city Island being smack in the middle, uh, of, of Harrisburg, uh, Harrisburg to one side and then kind of all the suburbs on the opposite side of the West shore and East shores is how it's all defined here. Um, it's it's kind of nice to have it as a playground for both shores in the middle of the river. There's yeah. a riverboat. There's a couple food vendors that are open in the summertime. There's a mini golf course. Oh. There's a train that circles the island. It's a it's a fun little place to be. Uh, and uh, you know, certainly, people know where City Island is. So yeah. from a standpoint of telling people how to get to the ballpark, people know where the ballpark is. You don't you don't have to say that to anyone. Yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Um, um, I mean, certainly the one drawback though is on an island surrounded by water, uh, the river does flood. Yeah, um, I'm I'm lucky enough that I haven't been around for one of those. But yeah. I've also only been here for two years. The last time it flooded was uh, 2011, and it was bad. It was about eight feet of water, uh, standing water on the field. Ugh. Um, well, you also worked for another team that also flooded very frequently in the Quad yes. Cities River Bandits. Which one's worse? <laughs> um, well, I was lucky enough not to be in Quad Cities when they flooded. Okay. Um, and I think... I just thought that I, happened every year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- thankfully, no. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, from what I've, what I've heard, uh, the war stories I've heard from each place... Uh, it might be a little bit worse in uh, here in Harrisburg when it does happen. Okay, but it certainly seems to happen more frequently in Quad Cities. Yeah, so Mississippi is is far more prone to flooding than the sure. Susquehanna is. Thank, thankfully, because I'm here. Right, right. <laughs> um, I also grew up on the Susquehanna River in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, um, which a lot of people don't realize that. So Williamsport was once the um, richest city per capita in the United States because oh, really? of the lumber industry, and they would s- send all of the lumber down the Susquehanna River. And um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if Harrisburg had any, you know, cultural things that because of that, but um, yeah, I just know the Susquehanna River was was um, you know 
had plenty of logs going through it at one point. So, okay. Yeah. Um, so like I said, I'm from Pennsylvania. I know what the weather's like there. Uh, you're from Cali. Uh, how do you like living in Pennsylvania so far? Well, I mean, thankfully, uh, the few internships I've had in minor league baseball has prepared me for what summer months are like, Mm -hmm. uh, having interned in the Midwest twice, uh, I mean, I guess whatever you want to call Texas, maybe that maybe three times, uh, (laughs) because the the weather in West Texas is not at all like the Midwest, although it rained there, uh, in Midland plenty. Oh, okay. Uh, like getting used to humidity, getting used to the heat were things that, uh, that Iowa and Minnesota taught me well. So the summer months, um, it's it's old hat at this point because working in baseball, you're going to get the warmest weather whatever locale has, uh, and for here it's it's rain, it's summer thunderstorms, and that's kind of uh, it's a high humidity, sometimes high heat, and that's kind of the norm. Uh, this year we actually got lucky and had a drier summer. Uh, August I think was one of the driest Augusts on record. Okay. Uh, for Harrisburg, I'm not sure about the entire state. Yeah. But so, you know, summer months, fine, wonderful, easy. Yeah. Uh, snow, that's new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would uh, imagine. Snow and cold. Uh, I am still constantly, and I probably will have it happen to me for a while in my office, uh, get made fun of because at about 65, degrees, 70 degrees, that's kind of my threshold of, okay, it's time to put on at least a quarter zip. If not, uh, if not, wear a wear a beanie into the office. Yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> we've had it's starting to be fall weather in Pennsylvania, so it's still eighty some degrees or high seventies during the day, but at night it's in the fifties. Right. And so in the morning when you go to work, it's still in the fifties. Right. Uh, and my California head, very cold. <laughs> Have you ever heard of another state that refers to like just its two letter abbreviations? Like everybody calls Pennsylvania PA. There's I have there's no other state that does that as far as I know. As yeah, I mean I don't know if that's uh if any of the if any of the two word states would if a if a North Dakota or a South Dakota or one of the Carolinas yeah. Would do something like that, but uh, uh, certainly in California, uh, it's it's usually just California. For whatever reason, Californians are very particular uh, about their their shorthand. Uh, San San Franciscans as well. Yeah, uh, it's it's never it's, maybe it's SF, uh, but it's also the city. But it's never San Fran. It's never Frisco. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I, I I don't think I've heard PA or anything like PA anywhere else, but, uh, uh, and at least the places that I've lived, it's, it's, it's the state name. Yeah. There's, there's, uh, you know, there's not as many syllables in most states as there is in Pennsylvania. That's, that's true. That's true. Um, what's been your favorite city that you've lived in so far? You've, you've lived around the block. (laughs) I have, I've, uh, uh, you know, and, and it's funny because, in most places, I've only been there for just the baseball season, right. and uh, you know that doesn't allow me too much time to really fall in love with the community, other than finding quick service places for lunch that are right near the ballpark or within driving distance, sure, uh, or late night places for when the team plays a home game and you're hungry afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and what little time there is when the team's on the road, although usually that's just preserved for sleeping. Yep. Um, but I, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one for me. I mean, I've lived in, I've lived in Texas. I've lived in Minnesota, lived in Iowa, uh, a couple different places in California just for baseball. And then obviously here, um, and they all, I mean, kind of a cop out answer, but they all kind of have their, their merits to me. I enjoy living in, in Texas uh where i was just because barbecue yeah i love i love i love barbecue my my local grocery store was in a, it's a, a you know big chain grocery store but they had my store was one of the st- stores around the state that had uh a cafe that had an executive chef and his own smoker to go along with it oh okay and so it was it was high quality barbecue found in a major grocery store okay and, kind of surprising but 
get a couple pounds of brisket, uh, sneak home at lunchtime from the ballpark, which was only a few minutes away, and have have a few slices of brisket, maybe mm-hmm. with some salad or something, yeah. and then go back to work for the rest of the day. So okay. that was that I, I enjoyed that. I think I've been lucky enough to find little niches like that everywhere yeah. I've lived in uh, in Quad Cities. There's a small little town in the river uh, called Leclerc that's kind of between uh, Clinton, about 40, which is you know half hour to the north, and, and uh, the rest of the Quad Cities. Uh, it's the birthplace of Buffalo Bill Cody, but they also have a couple really cool boutique restaurants and boutique bars. Uh, there's a brewery, there's a distillery, there's a really good chocolate shop. So you know, I, multiple places have kind of worked their way into, the, into my heart through my stomach. Okay. Uh, I, in, in, in that regard. I, I'm one of those people too. That's the easiest way to, to get through to my heart. Uh, what, what is the place in Harrisburg? Uh, the place in Harrisburg, I mean, they're still they're still kind of figuring it out. And for for me, um, I don't think I was adequately prepared for how much Pennsylvania and specifically, I mean, not just Harrisburg, but I guess all of Pennsylvania cares about its wings. Yeah, there is a there is a huge emphasis on wings here, and everybody makes them. It doesn't matter if it's a, a Mexican restaurant, it doesn't matter if it's a Chinese restaurant, and of course, the dozens of of taverns and pubs and sports bars mm-hmm. have them too uh but there's 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 one place in particular that uh they actually they go every year to the uh buffalo wing festival in buffalo and they come away with multiple trophies okay uh and so that's kind of been a place that i enjoy going unfortunately it's like 20 minutes away so i don't get there as much as i would like All right. but uh uh you know that that kind of worked its way worked its way in for me there's a couple spots in downtown harrisburg uh that are walkable across the uh walking bridge okay. from city island into downtown harrisburg that are that are definitely uh top of the list type spots yeah okay cool um so i'm a big dog person um yours is not a big dog though um neither is mine my Bo is about 28 pounds um, but he is the official, unofficial mascot of the Pulling Tart Podcast. Um, he he would be in this room right now, but um, uh, my wife is not home from work yet, and he will go crazy. So he is downstairs. Um, how spoiled is Bambi the Chihuahua on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, I, I was, I was uh, thinking about this, and I think probably it's no more than maybe a five or a six, oh, realistically. Okay. Which, uh, you know, I, I mentioned that to, to my wife, and she said, well, you got, you got to say 12, because otherwise <laughs> it's going to sound like we neglect her. And, and just kind of working through it, we don't, we don't give her, um, we don't give her very many human, uh, human foods, maybe a, maybe a cut up piece of bell pepper or a carrot here okay. and there, but she's happy with her kibble. She right. doesn't beg for, for, for food from us. Wow. Uh, we haven't gotten her into the uh, puppuccino or puppy ice cream no. or cheese trends, and she she's she's none the wiser for it. Um, you know, we take her on daily walks. I think where we do spoil her is she's got a lot of toys. Yeah. We don't, we don't have any we don't have any uh, any human children, so okay. she kind of fills the gap on that and takes all of our spare love. Okay. Of, well, you haven't gotten a new toy in a couple weeks, so I guess it's time. <laughs> um, Bo was the only child for five years, and he is going to get a rude awakening in February. So, um, yeah, we're expecting a, a little girl in February, so um, he will not be the only child anymore. Um <laughs> I don't he'll get know. To be a big brother. Yeah, yeah. He'll he'll figure it out, but it's yeah, he's gonna get a rude awakening when all the love and attention isn't on him anymore. <laughs> um Yeah, Bambi'll be there someday. Uh she doesn't usually get too jealous when we see other dogs. We have a dog park in our uh, in our neighborhood that she you know, that's that's maybe her level of spoiled is every morning when we go on a walk she'll veer off to the side, the path that goes towards the, the, the dog park. And, mm-hmm. uh, we have to tell her, no, not yet. <laughs> and, uh, when, when we're around other dogs, 
she's not usually too protective. But, okay. Uh, she'll she'll have to learn not to be at some point. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Bo goes to doggy daycare like twice a week, so that's how spoiled he is. <laughs> um, so I was looking my, at your. My wife works from home, so she gets to. Oh. Bambi gets to relax at home all day. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. That that would be nice, man. Um, so I was looking at your profile on, well, your bio on the team website, and it says that you are a big fan of Tiki. I'm not sure what that means. Does that just mean like the Tiki bar vibes or the music or the food or, or what? Uh, I mean, kind of all encompassing. Okay. Uh, when, when my wife and I were still in California, uh, it was a lot easier to be kind of, it, uh, engulfed in that there's, there's, especially in Southern California, there's a lot of tiki bars. Uh, you know, it was something that started in 1930s, 1940s, back when the South Pacific was, uh, exotic and it was expensive to travel there. Mm-hmm. So the, the idea was, you know, some, some smart people both steeped in reality and steeped in clever grifty type marketing said, well, let's bring the islands to you. Yeah. And there were tiki bars and restaurants and that kind of, you know, all, all manner of cultural appropriation that lasted for 20 years or so. That went away in the 70s and 80s. And then in the 90s, it started to crop back up again because it was also recognized that these bars were making really good drinks. Okay. And yeah. a lot of them were, were based on real recipes uh, and at least had some, some tradition and history to them. And so the, the, the current vibe is really focused on being authentic, but it's also uh, think what you, in drinks, think what you would get at a, at a speakeasy where you get the handcrafted cocktails that, are, that take a little bit of time to make, but the, the difference in flavor is really there. And it's a, just a laid back, friendly atmosphere. You know, it, it really can't be more uh, the opposite side of the spectrum from the general attitude and speed of something like pro sports and, and especially live production in, in pro sports and minor league baseball. Yeah. Uh, so it is a, it's a good getaway to just be able to relax, sit back with a, with a rum drink that has uh, some different flavors to it. Listen to calm, slow music, uh, maybe sit in a dark bar and just look at flowers and look at, uh, tiki idols and that sort of stuff. And so uh, my wife and I have really found a love of that uh, okay. because it's, it, it's about fun. It's a, it, it's really a fun culture. It's a fun community of people. We haven't, there are uh, gatherings of tiki folk on the West coast, uh, multiple every year. We haven't been to any of those, but we, we collect mugs. Most of the most of the tiki bars make mugs. So we've been down to DC in the time that we've been here, and uh, each of the bars in DC have their own collectibles. And oh. so that's that's kind of a, a a hobby of ours. When we go on vacation, we seek out places that uh, kind of fit that vibe for us, and it's a it's a nice getaway because at work it, it can't be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I am a big fan of, of rum. I didn't know it, but I I also am a big fan of tiki. Um, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't know exactly what you were referring to, but I do like all of those things. So um, I'm gonna skip ahead one question here, just because we're running low on time on this Zoom call here. Right. Um, but uh, what, in your opinion, is the best concessions item at FNB Field? I mean, for me, it's it's really a no-brainer. Uh, we have a concession stand that's out in right field that's right by our, or excuse me, left field that's right by our entrance gate called The Spot. Okay. Uh, which has a, a storied history in Harrisburg. It was a restaurant in downtown Harrisburg for 70-some years. They closed up shop in 2007, but they still have a stand, and they've had a stand at, at uh, the ballpark since then. Okay. And uh, like we have, they they, they have a uh, Ed Rendell burger because Ed Rendell used mm-hmm. to love going to the spot when he worked as a politician in Harrisburg. Yeah. Um. And so there's there's a lot of history behind it, but they also make really good chili dogs. Okay. The, the spot dog, it it is the it is the quintessential, uh, 
item of theirs and it really just fits the ballpark. You get into the ballpark, you can smell the spot dogs because the grill is literally right next to the entry gates. Uh, so unless you can't smell, you will smell that and it reminds you that you're at a ballpark and uh, you will probably make a stop there. Okay. All right. So what is on the Ed Rendell burger? The Ed Rendell burger, I actually don't fully know. I think there is some of the, the chili that they put on the spot dog. Okay. Um, they have they have a few different menu items. They rotate them around. We have uh, items named for our mascots. We have a, a grounder burger. One of our mascots is, is a dog. Yep. Uh, so the, the grounder burger... Uh, or excuse me, Grounder Dog, and there's uh, one of our sponsors has something as well, and so there's there's various things. Uh, being a Pennsylvanian, I don't know if uh, uh, Lebanon Bologna is yeah. something that, that you've had. Oh yeah, we, uh, we we have a we have a sponsorship deal with with a, with one of the Lebanon Bologna companies. Okay, uh, and so they actually made a Lebanon Bologna dog with Ooh. chopped up uh, chopped up bologna, crisp on the grill grilled onions, uh, garlic and herb cream cheese on the bun with the hot dog placed on top of it. Uh, grilled uh, hot dog, of course. Um, and then the the bologna, the onions, and then drizzled with a little bit of hot honey. Oh, man, that just sounds for a, so good. Just for a spicy factor. That sounds so, so good. Well, if you, uh, if you find yourself at a, at a Senators game next year or in the future, uh, bright orange tent as soon as you get into the ballpark to the right of the gates. All right. And... Uh, Spot dog heaven. Okay, perfect. All right, man. At True Crime Cast, we cover the big names and cases that everybody wants to hear. But we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. If you're listening to True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Y'all should go ahead and subscribe and join in on the conversation. I'm Jamie. And I'm John. This is True Crime Cast. All right, dude. So I also read on your bio on the team website that you are into classic video games. Yes. All right. So I don't know if I'm on the same level as as classic video game lover as you. Um, and the majority of mine may be uh, sports related. Um, just because that's the way I usually go with video games. But I want to do a Mount Rushmore of classic video games. So, um, and we'll do it like a draft kind of. Like we'll just okay. go we'll just go back and forth with our top four. Um, so you go first. You are you are the guest. Jess. All right. Um, I think. Well, and then just to kind of date myself in terms of. Uh what I mean by classic video games. Uh, one of my proudest moments was as a kid, uh, not through allowance, but through household chores was, uh, saving up enough money to buy a super Nintendo. Okay. So that, that was, you know, it was not a gift for my parents. It was something that I purchased with my own money nice. that I, that I worked for, uh, doing dishes and doing laundry and doing, uh, garbage and that sort of stuff over a long period of time so that's that's sure. kind of my my era right. uh, cartridge-based gaming so with that uh my first pick would be duck hunt okay all right kind of the kind of the beginning of uh you know zappers on screen not really anything surprisingly duplicated later on yeah so all, all, all the gun-based games are, are first-person shooters okay so, I am going. I was always a um, a PlayStation guy. Always have been. Okay. I've, ever since PlayStation One, and now I have the Four. I don't have the Five because um, I'm just not that into it now. But um, 
one of the first games that I had, and and it goes even back further than before I had it, um, is Frogger. Okay. Love love Frogger. I know I know it was you know a very two D version on you know Sega and Nintendo and all that, but once it got to PlayStation, it was three D, and that was pretty cool. Well, that's when the levels started getting far more complex, too, yeah? Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Okay, I, I don't know if I've ever... I guess I played Frogger through maybe one of like, the later PlayStation versions. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Next up, jumping jumping around a little bit, uh, Goldmine. Okay, yep. For Nintendo 64, just kind of brings back good good memories it was for probably three or four years it was the uh video game that me and my friends would play in elementary school uh you know say what you will if that was appropriate or not uh <laughs> on, new, on new year's eve okay all the parents would be gathered in the living room and all the kids there probably at one year there was like 12 of us and we made a full tournament out of it okay uh, that's awesome so that's 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 got to be up there for sure okay. the, the, the birth the birth of the first person shooter Alright, alright. Um, this is one of my favorite games of all time, really, um, because I caught myself, um, I downloaded the new, like, remastered version on PlayStation 4, um, but Crash Team Racing. Okay. You know, um, essentially it's the PlayStation version of Mario Kart. Um, but man, I was so good at that game. I was beating all my friends. Um, and now I'm playing it with my net, with my eight year old nephew sometimes when he comes over. Okay. So, so it's pretty cool in that regard. I don't know. I, I will, I will have to seek that out. I certainly, all of the Mario Karts, uh, could be a good honor, probably an honorable mention. Any Crash uh, Bandicoot game could be on here too. Yeah. Um, I probably have to go for number three, stepping into the arcade. Uh, probably Donkey Kong. All right. It's not only not only was it the introduction to Donkey Kong, but it was also the introduction to Mario. Uh, and because I'm a nerd and I know this stuff, and I don't need to, but I do. Uh, he was not Mario at that point. Yeah. He was a character named Jumpman. Oh, okay. All right. Because. He needed to jump over barrels. Nice. But he he had you know as as pixely four bit whatever it was uh, as existed at that point. He was a man who looked like a plumber with a red shirt and blue overalls and what sort of looked like a mustache that took up most of his face. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Before he was Mario, man. Um, I am going to go with Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Okay. Uh, yeah. Great soundtrack. Um, all around like pretty great game. Honestly, you know, I'm talking. I'm talking like the first one. Um, I think they started remaking those as well. But um, but yeah, man, I would sit there for hours playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good one. That's definitely. I, mean, I think when you when you say classic video games, there's there's such a wide range. I know. These days, video games, what you can play on your phone is far more complex than what you could do in multiple hours on a on a Nintendo sixty four for that matter. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so it really it really puts into perspective uh, any of that stuff. Yeah. But, uh, I think I think my last one. Uh, I don't know if it's one of the best games of all time, but I do know for a while it kind of spawned uh, a lot of. So what I'm looking for, I guess it, it was the inspiration for versions in football and versions in baseball uh, and ho- and hockey as well, uh, and it I think introduced a lot of its terminology into our common lexicon certainly through like a sports center and that would be nda jam yes all right i don't think the world 
at any point in time would, would have come across Boom Shakalaka by themselves. No. If it, if it was if it wasn't for uh, the announcer screaming it every five seconds in uh, in NBA Jam. Yeah, NBA Jam's awesome. Yeah, they're they're making like T-shirts like with like current players and stuff on there now with like their stats and like heating up and you know all that kind of stuff. I yeah yeah great game great. Game. Oh, and and you know certain certainly uh, uh, building off of that the idea that uh, for anyone uh, who may have ever played beer pong or Beirut depending on on uh, what you call it in your part of the country. Uh, if you play with the heating up and the and yep. the he's on fire rules, yeah, almost from NBA Jam. Yep, absolutely. All right, I dig it, man. That's <laughs> great, great pick. Um, I think my last one is going to be a game that my high school friends and I we would do tournaments with. Um, we would spend hours and a lot of shit talking, honestly. Um, and I don't. I don't. I'm waiting for him to come back out with it. Honestly, NFL Street. Okay. Great all around game. Um, yeah, the gameplay was was cool. Um, yeah, like you can run up the walls and like catch a pass, and like you could do all these cool tricks and stuff like that. And um, I remember if you had Mike Vick on that game, you were unstoppable. I don't know if I've ever actually played NFL Street. I know uh, I played NFL Blitz, which was EA's you know, more NBA Jam style version right. of it. Because yeah. uh, Street was also EA Sports, right? I it was Midway. It was Midway. Okay. All right. Yeah. Mid- Midway was the one that did NFL Blitz. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I I I had always seen NFL Street and thought that was pretty cool, but. At the time, I always had a copy of NFL Blitz back when uh, back when video game rental stores were a thing. Yeah, how about that? Because <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not super old, but I'm not that young either. Right? Yeah, me either. Me either. How old are you? Uh, thirty-seven next. Uh, yeah, next month. Okay, I'm thirty-two. So okay, okay, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, Blockbuster, Hollywood, those were all real video stores that I really spent a lot of time in. Yeah. mostly renting uh, uh, Super Nintendo and Nintendo 64 games. But. Yeah. Okay. Um, any um, honorable mentions? Well, I think the, the Mario Kart games have to be in there for sure. Okay. Um, I've never really had the patience. I, I love sports games strictly because you can lose and the game continues. Yeah. And I always thought that was cool because that emulates real life, uh, especially like in sports. You know, if you if you are team so and so in sports, you don't get to keep playing the championship game until you win, mm-hmm. even if it takes you thirty seven tries. Uh, but in Super Mario or whatever, if you're playing the big boss, you can lose time after time, and you you won't progress. The story won't go. But if you're playing Madden or NHL or something like that, you you can lose. Yeah, you you can you can lose, and then you just try not to lose next time. But the game continues. Uh, so sports games were always big for me there, uh, Mario Kart. But so, like I said, I don't have the patience for building up and going through that stuff usually. Uh, but I'd probably have to say just because I spent most of my seventh grade year, uh, working my way through it would be the original Pokemon games. Okay. The only, only RPGs that I've ever had the, uh, the, the patience to play. Uh, and I'm talking like red and blue for Game Boy. Right, right. Okay. Because uh, they were they were engaging. I think they were a good introduction for somebody who didn't have any experience playing uh, role playing games to learn about hit points and to learn about different attacks and that sort of stuff. And certainly, it spawned uh, and is still spawning a ridiculously sized universe of stuff. Yeah. But at the time, it was just this new thing that came over from Japan. Uh, my next door neighbor, his dad did a lot of business in Japan, so he came back with original uh, Japanese copies of the game. So oh, my wow. neighbor was able to start playing it before it was available in the U.S., uh, and then that kind of got me interested in it. And then before you know it, there were 20 of us sitting in a 7th grade math classroom 
during uh, recess and lunch playing Pokemon. Oh, wow. Oh, and I've never had the patience to play it ever again. I've tried, <laughs> but uh, I just, I don't, I don't have, I can't focus. Yeah. Okay. My honorable mentions are NBA Street. I really liked that. Um, cool Borders. Do you remember that one where you, it was like um, kind of like a Tony Hawk pro skater except with snowboards? Okay. Um, that was I. I was really like that one. Um, one of the first video games I ever played was Tom and Jerry on Sega, and we used to play that all the time. Um, there was also a game called Paperboy on Sega, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, Grand Theft Auto Three, I would say. Um, that was, that was the one that I spent the most time playing, I think. And, uh, you know, trying to get five stars and then, you know, like, you know, uh, getting your health up with, with the hooker and then killing her and stealing your her money. Um, and, and I still turned out pretty, pretty all right. So, uh, that's hard <laughs> to believe, huh? Um, <laughs> even though my well, parents wouldn't let me play it. The flip side of that is I spent I spent my seventh grade year um, of middle school, you know, in a classroom with other people, but not talking to any of them. Uh, and now, for a living, I sit in a control room, far away from all the fans who come to games. Uh, I interact with my other I interact with my control room brethren. Right. But for the most part, we are sectioned off away from everybody else, and probably for good reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's how I felt yeah, about my crew in the press box too. <laughs> um, my well, one last one I do have to yeah. add, uh, just because it's been on my mind, was a uh, MLB Slugfest. Ooh. The, the the midway the midway uh, baseball game that was you know its version of NFL Blitz, its version of NBA yeah. Jam, uh, all of that. Uh, with you know where where everybody was super blocky, super roided out, hit a ball five hundred feet, but then you could also charge the pitcher. You could also yeah have collisions at home plate where the catcher went ten feet in the air, and it was it was over the top baseball. And I think that was at the time where baseball was either Ken Griffey Jr. or nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, my last one would be FIFA because they're not gonna make it anymore. Um, at one point in college or right after college, I believe I was top 100 in the U S in, at FIFA. Um, so yeah, um, spent a lot of hours playing FIFA, uh, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. But, um, if you're good at it, I don't think there's anything negative to it. Yeah. If you, if you were to say top 100 in like your dorm, uh, of, a hundred people maybe maybe it's a little bit different right right um so we were talking about you know how you interact with just the press box crew essentially um i know that there's a lot of inside jokes and contests maybe um does does your press box crew do anything like anything fun like that during the games we, I mean, we have a pretty good crew. The vast majority of us are in the control room. We do also do our own uh, broadcasts, so we have a few camera operators who are out amongst uh, the ballpark. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the majority of us are in the control room and, and in a close enough area that we can hear one another uh, without other headsets and whatnot. Um, and we have a guy who just completed his 25th season. He runs our... Scoreboard controller. Okay. He puts up ball, strikes out, run hits, runs hits errors. Uh, on our, we still have an analog scoreboard underneath our digital video board, uh, and so his his numbers are displayed up there. And uh, uh, he's got, I don't know where it is currently, but somewhere in the control room is a uh, just a probably five pages at this point of just one liners. Okay. That he has that he has dropped over the years, <laughs> and and they come without warning, and they are spectacular because he's a he's a man uh, celebrated his seventy seventh 
his 78th birthday this this past June. Wow. Uh, but he is still very sharp-witted. Okay. And uh, he can be really funny. There was a uh, uh, he, he spends so he spends his his winters down in Florida. Okay. Um, and so one of the first encounters I had with him, I asked him uh, early on in the season last year, it must have been May, May or June. Uh, I asked him, you know, so what do you do in the wintertime? Obviously, you love baseball. He, he used to he used to coach baseball when he was younger oh. at uh, high school level, I think at college level, and and uh, like travel ball youth level too. So he's he's really been big on that. I think he played baseball once upon a time. Uh, actually, he did play baseball, and he actually he also got to play on the field. Not the current ballpark, because before FNB Field and Metro Bank Park and, and everything before that, before it was built in 1987, uh, there were previous iterations of the Harrisburg Senators right. going back to the 1900s. But it had always been, and it's always been on City Island, and it's always been oriented the same way with home plate facing out the uh, southwest. Okay. And so he played on that field once upon a time. All right. Um but so I asked him, without without uh, without baseball in the wintertime, what do you do? And he said, Well, you know, the other day I was wrestling alligators, and it was a, it was a grand old time. Like what? And I I didn't know any better at the time. I, I thought, okay, this man is serious. It's Florida. He has swamp land in his backyard. Yeah. He wrestles alligators, and then thirty seconds goes by, and he just starts cracking up with laughter. It was almost as if him and everybody else in the room had gotten together to set this up <laughs> and to just lay, lay one on the new guy who doesn't know any better. Yes, I'm in charge, but, uh, they can, they can still have a little fun razzing me. And he's, he's dropped multiple in the time since then. And, uh, okay. uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's a good tradition of ours is just the, the kind of the friendly banter that exists, uh, in a close knit control room. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot of inside jokes. Um, I I remember at one point in Beloit, we used to bet like an over under on the um, national anthem, um, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, we used to do. We didn't. It was more so like a, t- a season long tally. We had like a car race on the video board in in uh, Delmarva, and we'd be like, "Oh, I I bet the reds ca- the red car is gonna win today," you know, all that kind of stuff. So, and a lot of a lot of inside jokes that I probably can't share here. Um, yeah, we we definitely we definitely have that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's there's a shorthand for various reads and activations that we do uh, and, and that, that we have some fun with. And usually it's just one person says it one time uh, and then we make fun of it by continuing it on in the future. Yeah. Um, the dirtiest car in the parking lot, me and the stadium ops guy would go back on the walkie-talkie. now, so like I have to read back VIN numbers all the time for vehicles. Um and I kind of always want to do so. Like we would do like really weird, you know, things. Like he would be like, "X is in xylophone," you know, that kind of, you know, and just try to find like the weirdest word you can do. And now I have to do like, you know, P is in Paul, G is in George, and I'm like, man, I gotta spice this, find a way to spice this up a little bit. But I do, I do miss that, you know, press box, you know, uh, crew aspect there. Um, What's the worst excuse a game day staff member has ever used to call out of work for you? Um, and I've been lucky that in, in my two years in, in Harrisburg, I haven't had too many people call out when, when they have. Uh, they've called out for uh, seemingly legit reasons. Okay. Uh, That's good. And it may just be because I'm naive <laughs> and laid back, but you know, it, it's a, it's a, I'm sick or whatnot, but I actually, I had, I had a, a staff member who, who called out a few times on Sundays this year, and Sundays are always our afternoon games, Yep. Uh, and I often didn't hear about it until, you know, conveniently right around the time that he would otherwise be walking out the door to, to come to the ballpark, sure. and so kind of, maybe it was legitimate that he just happened to get Sunday morning colds, or maybe he had a little bit of the Saturday night flu. Yeah, yeah, I get that. 
I get that. I've had uh, a few of the, those. The the uh, uh, England cold. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, I gotcha. <laughs> uh, but no, I've been I've been I've been very lucky. Uh, before Harrisburg, I was never or I hadn't been in charge of a control room, but we're still finding out about why people were were missing. I think probably the funniest, or not the funniest, but the most obscure. Uh, was one guy called out because uh, his front and rear windshield were busted out, but it was from the night before um, where we had a, uh, it was in Midland, Texas, we had a uh, hailstorm. Oh, yeah. It had major damage and busted out lots of cars, uh, like damage to the point where it happened in April, and when I left in September, they were still redoing roofs. Oh gosh! Uh, and so he had to go three hours away to the nearest car shop that had an opening because oh, the car shops in town were all full. Wow! So that is uh, unfortunate. Yes, <laughs> but so weird. Unique. Yeah, very unique. Um, let's see here. So I was telling you before we started recording that. Um, I, so my first year with Delmarva, we got a brand new video board. Nobody had ever worked with it before. And so I found it very cool for like the theme nights to do like different headshot templates and that kind of thing. Um, so I wanted to see like what's the coolest like player headshot that you guys have done on the video board. Um, well, so for me, and this, hopefully this can be a, an all-time thing. Um, when I was in San Jose, which was kind of similar, they had a video board there prior to me, uh, in 2017, but, uh, we got a brand new video board in 2017. And and like you had mentioned where, uh, you had not much lead up time to see how how stuff looks at more than a distance of your computer screen. Mm -hmm. Uh, we had ours, this new board turned on for the very first time about 30 minutes before we opened the gates to our fan fest. Perfect. We had a, we had an an exhibition game, uh, back when this was a thing, I think more teams did. We had an exhibition game against the Sacramento river cats. Okay. The giant, the giants were the San Jose giants are the high A team at the time they were for, uh, San Francisco. The river cats were the brand new triple a team for the giants. They still are. Yeah. Uh, but so played a game up there one night, they came to our place the next night. Um, but so later on that season, we did, uh, you know, when we had this brand new board and there really was emphasis on doing fun stuff, uh, all of the headshots that year, the players had bats in their shoulders. Okay. And so I thought it would be pretty cool to adapt those bats for Star Wars night yeah. to lightsabers. Yeah. Uh, and so in every shot with a black background with stars on it, uh, you have a, a hitter who's either holding his bat straight up. And so it looks like he's holding a lightsaber here or it goes behind his head, which, you know, that that's obviously technically a little bit more difficult, but mm-hmm. still doable. Yeah. And or, or resting on his shoulder, but you can't necessarily tell that from a, from a 2d perspective. Right. At the board. And so those are probably the favorite, my, my favorite ones that I've ever done. Okay. Uh, you know, certainly over the years and, and you doing headshots, I'm sure you've talked to people as well that, uh, it's kind of become a no-no, at least in a lot of circles, to put masks or uh, hats or anything that will manipulate the look of the player. Right. Uh, so that kind of eliminates that. But there's there's nothing in the book that would still dictate that it's not okay to play around with the props they have. Yeah, yeah, that's so, true. So uh, I've I've always wanted the opportunity to do that again, just because that was was a lot of fun. I think it it, it came across really well and. As good as it is to find the Star Wars-like font, make it yellow, and put it on a black background to add in uh, a player holding a, a blue or a green or a yellow or a purple or maybe even a red lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, looks pretty. That is pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh, so what's the craziest situation that's occurred during a game that you've had to assist with? Uh... So, I mean, being upstairs for the last few years, obviously within like half an hour or an hour or so of game time, uh, I'm upstairs. Yeah. I'm, I'm removed from anything that takes place 
down below. So there have certainly been situations where we've had to make PA announcements about things that are happening or uh, uh, make graphics about things that are happening. I think it's going to become more of a new normal at some point, and I think it already has, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But we had a couple instances of uh, drone flyovers this year. Oh, okay. And uh, we had one instance where a drone flew over the ballpark and is MLB and MILB protocol to stop the game. Wow. Stop the game, the players come off the field, and we go into a drone delay. That's wild. Uh, and so we had that happen earlier this year where a drone flew over the ballpark. And obviously we're a picturesque place anyway because we are a baseball stadium on an island. Right. Yep. But we're a baseball stadium on an island at night where to one side you have a beautiful downtown skyline where you can see the Pennsylvania State Capitol. Mm-hmm. And so it's a good all-encompassing shot. Yeah. And when the lights are on on a ball field and there's players and there's fans, that's also a really good shot. And so we we had a drone that flew over, uh, and the umpires noticed it because they could hear it from the field. Yeah. Uh, And they waved everybody off the field because we don't know what the intentions are there. We can't play baseball because if a ball goes up and happens to hit the drone, that's a huge uh, safety hazard. Um, And so we put something up on the video board that said, as long as your drone is over the field, we are not going to play. Wow. hoping at least that the drone was over the field not recognizing that they were impeding our game. Yeah. And not, and not with you know not even thinking about the possibility that people were doing it to be the reason why we were stopping a game. Right. See, the, see look at me, I stopped a minor league baseball game. Yeah. Uh that's wild. But you know, hope that they had the best intentions at heart. Sure. And the drone was over the field for a few minutes. Once the players came off, I think the, the pilot recognized that he wasn't he or she wasn't going to get what they wanted. Um, and then they started to fly away. And for the next 15, 20 minutes, we had Harrisburg City Police and various other people scouring the area as best they could to try and find where this drone pilot was flying from because we are also in... Uh, the flight path of Harrisburg International Airport. Right. Flying without a permit in that space is illegal. Man, wow. It, it, it violates FAA regulations. Okay. They fly high enough. They fly high enough that they are within the uh, flight pattern of the airport. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Plus, luckily, nothing came from it. Uh, we did have somebody shortly thereafter wasn't the same guy, but somebody shortly thereafter who tried to sell my video production manager uh, his shots, his drone shots at the ballpark for something like 150 bucks for 10 seconds of footage. Jeez, <laughs> I never, I never came so, across any drone delays. So that's that's a first I've I've heard of though. Yeah, I, I would love for it to be a last, but unfortunately, I think it's a it's a sign of the modern times. Right, right. Uh, so this is the Pulling Tarp Podcast. Do you have any crazy tarp stories? Um, I was thinking about this one. I think, uh, obviously, there's the, the quintessential somebody gets swallowed by the tarp. Uh, yeah. I was in Quad Cities, and uh, I was on the air as a broadcaster, and we had a delay. We were, we were talking about uh, recapping the game at that point. We hadn't gone to break yet from the initial delay, and one of our sales interns got swallowed, uh, and mm. the crowd kind of gasped. Yeah, and you could hear it on our crowd mic. But they stopped pulling. He army crawled his way out, and everybody cheered. And we had to explain what had happened <laughs> uh, on the air. Yeah, uh, he had lost his radio. His walkie fell off of his uh, fell off of his pocket. It was clipped to his pocket. Mm. Uh, and so when we pulled the tarp off the next day, because we did not finish that game. Uh, there was his radio under the tarp, soaked and dead. Yeah, of course. So you know, but I feel like everybody has one of those. Yeah. Um, that that hailstorm that I mentioned before in Midland, Texas, in nineteen, uh, it was fifteen minutes or so of baseball-sized hail, uh, and it shredded our tarp. Oh, we, we wow. Had to get, in addition to all the glass damage on vehicles and uh, roof damage on houses, it shredded our tarp and. Uh, the only time I've ever been part of a, a crew that had to carry a tarp off the field and throw it away. Jeez. 
That's that's something, man. Yeah, never came across that one either. Um, Jess, where can the listeners find you online on social media? Uh, social media, I'm uh, terribly basic when it comes to, uh, I guess, creative, if you want to consider it that way. Uh, with my Twitter and Instagram handles, it's, it's my name. It's Jess Canaster. Uh, both places, obviously, now that the season is over, there's more time but less content to post. Uh, so it is, it is that balance yep. of uh, I can put whatever I want on social media but without baseball, you know, day day thirty seven, no baseball. I'm sleeping <laughs> at a normal at a normal time. I'm not tired. I'm not delirious. I haven't made an eleven o'clock run to insert fast food restaurant of any choice. Uh, yeah. It's not it's not as exciting. It's the mundane life of a full time employee where it's a nine to five office job. It's just that my nine to five office job during the day, I'm often talking about things like uh, doing a race with toilets or yep. uh, playing ring toss with plunders on people's heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I know all or, about that. <laughs> or, or, or fill in, fill in whatever you will there. So, yeah. uh, but uh, uh, yeah, those, that's, that's, that's where I am on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. Um, not on TikTok. Uh, I'm, I know how to work all the electronics in a video board, uh, control room. And I like to think I do that pretty well, but, uh, TikTok is kind of beyond my, uh, abilities at this point. Yeah. I'm not on TikTok either. <laughs> my wife sends me a bunch though. <laughs> yeah. I, I go back and forth with my wife with the Instagram reels. And, okay. uh, I learned yesterday, a different friend of mine sent me a, in, sent, sent me a video on Instagram I didn't realize you can only watch it once. Oh, interesting. So I, I watched it once with the with the sound off, and then I apologized to my friend and said, I hope you didn't send me anything, any verbal message with this video, because uh, I'm an old idiot, and I didn't realize that uh, I can only watch it once. <laughs> interesting. Okay. Um, we got about two and a half minutes left here, so I got one more question. And I end every episode with this question. What has been the best walk-up or warm-up song you've heard in your baseball career? And whose was it? The baseball career, is that just in my time as an employee or as a fan? I would say I would probably go more towards an employee, but whichever you choose. Because certainly the one that, that, that sticks out most in my mind, uh... I'm a lifelong San Francisco Giants fan, being mm-hmm. from the Bay Area. Uh, and so when the first few bars of the next episode came on from the years 1997 or so when the song debuted uh, until he retired in the mid-2000s, uh, and you knew Barry Bonds was coming up to hit, it was just, it, you stopped what you were doing yeah. and you watched that. And it was just... It was as much for the player as it was the song, but those few bars really, it got you hyped for for it long before Edwin Diaz and, and his intro and all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, there was that. But uh, there was a guy who played college baseball for San Jose State when I broadcast for them, uh, whose walk-up song was Donza Kuduro. It's a song that... Uh, I think kind of made its way into American ears and American song lists. It was the closing credits song, I think, in Fast and Furious 5. Okay. Maybe. Okay, yeah. Uh, it's a it's an upbeat uh, track. It's in mostly Portuguese. Right. Um, but just the, the, the beat is, is fast-paced, and it's a good kind of happy rhythmic it doesn't fit the country it doesn't fit the rap that you hear from so many players yeah uh, and and so that electronic sort of dance house the dance hall style music was 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 good and uh got me in the mood to hear to, to watch him hit okay very cool well we'll close out with this song we got less than a minute on this zoom call so uh thanks so much jess really appreciate you coming on to the pulling tart podcast 
And yeah, man, thanks so much. Let's keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Hope yeah. to have you next year for a spot dog. All right, man. I'll try to get up there for sure. <laughs> All right, man. Take it take it easy. Have a good off season. Thank you, you too. Sorry to give you some oh. <laughs> Welcome to the remix. Do you want a super You've listened to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Hello, everyone. I'd like to invite you to listen to a new podcast called Artrageous. It's a podcast about the truly outrageous stories of the art and design world. I'm your host, Carrie, and each week we'll cover stories that are just plain crazy. Join me every Thursday for a new episode with stories from art theft, fraud, crime, and mysteries to designer drama, fun conversation tidbits, and discussions about current events. Find Artrageous wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until then, stay Artrageous. At True Crime Cast, we cover the big names and cases that everybody wants to hear, but we specialize in the small town unknown cases you've never heard of. If you're listening to True Crime Cast, you'll hear us give the details of each case and our analysis of whether or not justice is served. Find us wherever you find your favorite podcast. Y'all should go ahead and subscribe and join in on the conversation. I'm Jamie. And I'm John. This is True Crime Cast.